and then you just keel over and die. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck a little less every day. My name is Chris Tunkinson. And my name is Frank Hull. And this is episode number 65, recorded April 8th, 2022. Frank, my my breathless, teary-eyed, emphatic, emotional appeal worked. To what exactly? For feedback. Are you ready for this? Are you yes. ready for this? All right. Uh, so first of all, though, before we get to that, uh, that was a teaser. Uh, mm. Before we get to that, I had a couple of things that I wanted to talk about, one of which uh, we spoke. Um, oh, golly. You know, I'd have to actually go back to the show notes on this. Uh, a while back, and it may have been like the end of last year, one of us found um, The Increment which is like a software development magazine, like uh, that a was higher me. end I be- periodic. I be- I was that you? I took, okay. Yeah, I believe I'm going to take credit yeah. for that one. So, uh, well, you can take credit for this then. Uh-oh. So, oh, so no. I went and I bought, they had like a, a, a box set of mm-hmm. the first 20 episodes or whatever it was. And I was like, click, I want that. Then it got delayed. It was supposed to come out in, it was supposed to ship in January. Mm-hmm. And it got delayed and I had forgotten about it by that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, a delay. That's I forgot it existed, so that's fine. I don't mind. Then I get an email the other day that there was and this is this is just so choice. I get an email the other day. Uh apparently and unfortunately, like they had a problem with one of their suppliers. And they're just the the message seemed to indicate that they would have either had to delay again, but they didn't know exactly when it was gonna happen. And so they decided to just scrub the the box set and refund everybody oh um, no no jeez, that's just which you know <sighs> is a shame that's right i mean you can still buy the individual episodes or the individual episodes the individual uh issues you issues. know it's not a big deal yeah. but you know um but what happened was that they accidentally they weren't using a list and so they sent an email to 249 people. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, Hold so on. I got an email. I, I, I'm sorry, 250. So I got an email. I was one of 250 people that got this email um, that, you know, we're sorry, we're going to have to cancel right. it. We'll refund you, blah, blah, blah. And the first, and, and as soon as I noticed that it was, they like just put everybody in the two line. I was like, oh, great. Here here we go. And then like um, a minute later, somebody no. says, hey, you may want to use BCC with a little smile. Uh, oh, so- my God. Somebody says LMAO. Uh, then, then somebody comes in and says, this is now the I'm sad about my increment collector's edition order thread. Um, and on and on, oh, <laughs> on and no. on like that. A cool thing happened, though. Uh, there Except for like the first comment or two, it was people like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Hey, uh, here's a Slack I just created. This seems like an interesting group of people. Let's talk. Another guy was like, oh man, this sucks. I'm going to buy the other one. But by the way, uh, we're hiring. So like we're looking for people. If this is you, reach out. Somebody else. (laughs) I mean, and all of this, it was so cool to see like a bunch of randos on the internet actually not being jerks to each other yeah this belongs um, in reddit this is this is hu- uh, slash r slash humans being bros that's that's where is. this belongs this is excellent i am you know it what really is. well done all of 250 of you good job i'm so i'm so proud of you and the, the thing Fantastic. there was somebody in there that was like oh you know uh i'm really sad about the you know the thing um, is like, I never actually read, read it before now, but I, one time I interviewed for Stripe and he has this whole story. He's like, I didn't actually get the Stripe offer, but you know, blah, blah, blah. That's when people were saying, oh, Hey, I'm hiring. And you know, uh, it was just this, neat, you know, and there were maybe, I don't know, there were maybe a, a dozen or two dozen reply alls to, to the thing. That's um, fantastic. And the, the editor did eventually reply back like, with BCC and say, Hey, sorry about that. You know, um, <laughs> uh, my, my, my bad, dude, my bad. 
not cool. That was just an interesting, you know, because you you that that kind of a thing is just it's just a petri dish for the worst aspects of humanity. Um, it, it it can but, be, yeah, it definitely can be. <laughs> that's pretty. That is a great story. That's a that's a really that's a really good that's, that's a feel good story. Did you join the Slack? Huh. Did you get into the Slack? No, no, I'm not huge on on Slack. I don't Ugh. really care what those people have to say anyway. But you're such a, a cool, oh, screw you. I'm a little bit of a killjoy. You yeah. are. You are I may a, yet go in. You are such a Slack killjoy. I just don't understand. Slack is so great. It's well, it's it's still great. Salesforce hasn't foobarred it yet. It's it's awesome right now. I hope it stays that way. We'll see. Yeah, I just... It's great. It's so good. The, the community building aspects of it, and it's just... Oh, it's delightful. I love it. Yeah. It's an I, easy-to-use tool. It's a, accessible on my phone. I can do all sorts of fun chat opsy things with it. I, I love it. Yeah. I, love it's, Slack. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not, I'm, not as, I'm not as salty on it as I once was. Um, but Something like honest, it I've will just, always exist. Okay? So, pr- prediction. You know, there, there you go. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that's, that's accurate. Yeah. I would say that's accurate. For prediction. Sure. I need a better prediction sounder. Prediction. Something like Slack will always be front and center because that is the world that we live in. It will always be there. Hip chat. Now Slack. Yeah. Well, hip chat, hip chat was okay too. I don't know. Hip chat was um, great until it got bought. Atlassian screwed it up. The the problem, I guess, I don't know. I get I get melancholy. I get very like developer e with the chat systems because I just I can't get past all of the ways in which they suck out loud. Like hip chat. <laughs> okay, so hip chat was awesome because here are the reasons I liked hip chat. Okay, number one. Number one, native apps everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. When I click into a new thread or when I click on a DM th- stream or when I click on a button, the thing happens. Mm-hmm. It was low resource overhead. It didn't clobber my system and it was snappy. It was a desktop application that behaved like one. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as they got that polished, they introduced video, which took them years to get right. Like mm. They did screw years. it up. Yeah. Before HipChat video was worth a damn. Mm-hmm. And then they got bought by, what was it, Atlassian, Atlassian. bought it and merged mm-hmm. them with, not Stripe, Slide or whatever their, they, whatever they, their tr- thing they was. Were, they and then killed it all because it. of the, the Slack partnership, right? It was, yeah. Um, they, they butchered it. They, they totally botched it. Totally botched you know, it. And then Slack and Teams. Now, Teams is the worst. Oh, teams is absolutely the worst. 100%. And, and, like, you heard it here first. Teams is hot garbage i just i have i have a i understand we've been here before we've covered this ground i'm not going to go into a whole thing teams it's just performance and resource utilization that's why i hate it and slack is kind of in between both it's a snappier experience than teams by far it's still noticeably not as good as as hip chat at its prime or anything else that's like actually native um, now, the nice thing is with with Teams, with Slack, like the browser experience is identical. That that can be mm-hmm. nice in some circumstances. The mobile component is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. better. I think the mo- mobile is a experience for Teams than than uh, desktop. Pardon me. I don't uh, know about why Slack. I think, Slack I think seems te- fine. Slack seems fine. OK, so Teams is just universally ass. Like in terms of an experience, it's just it's just, just awful. It's just a bad product. I I, I legitimately feel terrible. From- I legitimately feel terrible for somebody who spends all day with Chrome open for web browsing, Teams open for chat, and Atom or VS Code open for software development. Like you, <laughs> congratulations! You have three hundred and ninety four Chromium instances taking up all of the RAM in your zip code to do three things that have been solved for decades. Like I've just, it's, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I guess maybe I re- see Frank hmm. sit down. Let Chris. me tell you a story. I remember when native applications existed and they performed well and they were crafted with care before, hmm. before uh, at not L electron existed. And then everything got the, I mean, it's nice though as a Linux user. Now I can 
I can look at Slack. I can look at Teams and it's the same crappy experience everywhere and I can use it on Linux and that's great. That's a feature. Um, I don't really care for the trade-off. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that I think it can be done well. I think it can be done poorly. I have never had any complaints about Slack performance. I've never, it's never been an issue for me. Slack performance has always been fine. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm the outlier. Um, I do run, you know, my workstation is pretty beefy on the Ram. So, uh, PC maybe, master race over PC here. master Runs race. Fine that's, for me. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> Works on my machine. Ship it. <laughs> deploy yeah so i mean let me let me see here slack right now if i look at it is running it's got 617 megs of of ram totally allocated right now um that is out of a but i mean that's out of a a a pool of like 70 yeah my teams (laughs) my my teams my teams instance is sitting about is sitting over 600 as well yeah i mean that's not bad chromium browser and yeah, for a modern a app, six out of, it's not bad. Yeah, that's for a modern app, right? That's where I. I well, okay. So hold on a second. Hold but on. But I'm here. weird. Are you falling? Like, I'm weird. I looked. I looked at the. Um, uh, I was. I. I looked. I skimmed the list of emails because, of course, I did. And what struck, what what stuck out to me, I didn't actually. I should do this. You know, maybe maybe for next week I'll do this. I'm going to pull mm. the email addresses and analyze them. I would wager probably. 90 close to 90 percent of them were gmail for what which what emails a, for gmail what do you the, the, from increment the, oh. the the email list from increment it was 250 oh, addresses oh, oh, oh. okay um all right i would i would say probably 80 to 90 percent were gmail addresses okay I, that as a technologist it just it bugs me a little bit like that degree of centralization for a core internet component seems uh, i just get, uh, okay so uh, all right all right i know I, let me adjust my tinfoil and then we can yeah you can adjust, because i know how this sounds yeah 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 all right so two things i want to back up one you 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 talked about you know i, I said 650 megs and you were like that's not bad for a modern app okay are you falling into the fallacious trap of looking at the growth of app memory usage as a universal bad because machines have gotten smaller, faster, you know, disk Uh sizes, memory spaces have gotten larger Uh and larger over time. And so naturally we're going to use that space in theory to do more stuff that, you know, bigger things. So it, you know, it's got, it's going to use more graphics and it's going to be prettier to look at naturally. It's also going to include additional features and things like that. This is a nat- like like one follows the other. So the fact that an app is big quote air quotes around this today versus yesterday more air quotes is 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 that a thing? Like I I I have never ascribed to that school of thought because it seems very very fallacious. Well, yeah, you use the memory that you have. So I look at, I've got more memory, so I, look I can at do more things. stuff. Yeah, no, no, and you're right. One does follow the other, and that's and that's bidirectional, by the way, right? Can, so, yeah, so yeah. we have we have more hardware. We're gonna freaking use it. We're gonna figure out how to use the bigger hardware that we get next year, right? As right. as as a development community, right? Also, the fact that we create ever more complex systems mm-hmm. to serve ever more complicated demands in an increasingly user friendly way puts pressure on the hardware we have and drives the market demand for bigger hardware next time. Yeah. Right. So those are but that there's, has, a, there's a virtuous again, cycle of everything getting yeah, right. And that's a that's a constant, right? That change time. is a constant. That's yeah. fine. Um and I think by the way, I don't think like number of bytes because oh the systems have gotten bigger. I don't think that's that to me that's not as interesting as like out of the average desktop user's experience what is the percentage of their system resources going to chat or email or something that we've had for 30 years that mm-hmm. um and and to to the kind of answer your question no i don't just look at it's more bytes now than it used to be and that's a problem mm-hmm. what i look at as it it is a much greater number of bytes to deliver me nothing more than it used to 
Right. Okay. So for me, when I look at Slack, and and again, it's it's just because of my use case. It's because I don't have a real use case to, for all of the features in Slack. Slack to me is chat. It's DMs and group, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that IRC was doing 30, 40 years ago. And so to blow 700 meg on something that we used to be able to do in a, you know, I don't know what that, I don't remember what the memory profile was of, of, of an IRC client. <laughs> Would have been low, But though. to compare the, the benefit, exactly, the benefit to me for that amount of system resources is not keeping up with the utilization. It, now, it's not a problem because now I've got 64 gig or 128 gig of RAM, and I mm-hmm. used to have maybe 512 meg, right, it, back in those days. And so I get, right. like, I understand, you know, I'm not I'm not being myopic about, that. well, uh, I need to, you know, scrimp and say, you know, my wife, so my wife's grandparents, they would uh, wash plastic bags from the grocery store in tinfoil so they could reuse it because it was that depression and era mm-hmm. mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um that's not my attitude. My attitude is when the experience sucks, hello, Microsoft Teams, and <laughs> you're using an obnoxious amount of resources to get the same job done, then I start to have a problem about the whole thing, not, you know, specific pieces. Gotcha. Okay. You're, I, I, okay. It's good that you qualify for like your experience because yeah. you take the you out for of my it use case, right? I, I, you know, ICQ and, and Slack are completely different animals. Yes, they both do text, but Slack does a zillion other things on top of it. You know, inserting images, uploading and sharing documents, um, video calls are are built in now. Voice calls, voice and video calls. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. so much more to it that. I think that the space it utilizes absolutely justifies it. Are you using all of those things? No. Okay. But it still can. Well, you are indirectly. Yeah. So to your point, to play devil's advocate here. They're always there. So you, you know, like it's going to take up the space. So then, so then don't take up the friggin' space and resources if I'm not actually using them. But then you go back to just, just now you're talking like feature, like, like toggle being sets. No, just being a conscientious developer. I'm not, not following. What do you mean? I'm right. not, I'm not following so, if, so if the if the subset of features that I'm using right now in Teams mm-hmm. only actually needs 50 meg of working rep memory to go, mm-hmm. where's the other 650 going? Oh, right? you're Why suggesting is it consuming what? resources to support features that I'm not actively okay, using. Okay, so that's right? I mean that's a different. So you get back to like a software craftsmanship. Yeah, you know, there's a which, whatever. My, that's not my point. My point yeah. is my point is you're right in that. I am actually using those features. I want to see if you can guess why. Mm. I'm using every feature Slack, Teams. I'm using all of them. Right. I feel like I feel like I'm indirectly. Walking, I feel like I'm walking into a trap here. Um, it you're you use because, the product. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. Go ahead. Because thirty years ago, when it was IRC, it was only nerds using it, and and a social application like a chat has a network effect. And so mm-hmm. if what we needed to do to get the normies in to increase the value of the tool was to spend system resources adding features that maybe I don't care about, the tool is still more useful for me because other people are now on it that would not otherwise be absent those features. So if mm-hmm. dropping in a if dropping in Giphy or a video chat brings in a bunch of users from elsewhere within my business that would not have otherwise been on that system, now the system's much more valuable to me because I can reach out to a greater audience. And so and so there's a counter argument there where like, yeah, if you, you know, expand the the, you know, increase the TAM, right? So so as you increase the audience, y- you have to add features to add audience. And hey, then phrasing. TAM. Oh, oh, total addressable market, right? So uh the number of people who can use your thing theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um so to drive adoption basically. You add features that not everybody's going to use, and so if no but if no more than thirty percent of your audience uses any given feature, seventy percent of your audience doesn't find value from every feature. But the network effect makes the overall ecosystem more enticing because it is a social thing. Right. Okay. It's you're almost making the argument that um, some product developers make. Uh, there are features you add because customers will use them. And then there's features that you add to make the buyer say yes. Uh, have you heard that phrase before? No, but it makes sense. 
where, you know, you've got, you have to have something on the list because, you know, the buying profile requires it. Well, because like, the they, decision they maker at, is The decision always... maker is looking for something. So here, here's, here's my, fa- my favorite example. One, one of my favorite examples. I, I, I love, I love buzzword bingo for this kind of stuff because salespeople are always mm-hmm. good for it. Um, single pane of glass. They love executives purportedly, apparently I'm an executive and I think this is crap, but maybe it's because I built them love the term single pane of glass. I want to see all the things on one screen. I want my one super amazing magical dashboard. That's going to answer every question I have ever about anything pertaining to this product and what it's responsible for. And I'm never going to have to look anywhere else. And I'm never going to have to pick up the phone and deal with another human being because this magical single pane of glass just solves all my problems. Solves everything. Everything's perfect now. Yeah. And what they fail to to account for. By the way, for somebody that's not been there, it never does. It's vaporware. No, it doesn't exist. And the reason it doesn't exist is because in the single pane of glass idea, you can get high level summary information, which just leads to more questions. And then you need to look deeper at the data, which means a different view of the data. And so if you really want a truly single pane of glass, what you have is the world's longest scroll wheel of just report after report after report of deeper and deeper, more minute things. And even then, the the things that you might have to look at and the ways that you would have to cross-reference the information that you're looking at to get the result or the insight that you need is infinite. And so effectively, it's an infinite scroll and that does not exist. And so single pane of glass is the biggest load of crap, but executives like hearing that and they like the notion that they can go somewhere and at least get high-level answers immediately. And so every product in that kind of data analysis, data delivery, awareness space includes that term and has some kind of report aimed at executives that I am convinced 95% of them never use because it doesn't give them anything useful. So that's a feature that you would put in there to make the sale. Because unless you are an individual or a startup entrepreneur, the decision maker, the buyer is the end users are are going to be a large what's the way i want to say this the decision maker is going to be a very p- small percentage of the audience for the time right 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 so i i decision make is that a thing i decision make for a couple of things uh within my area and i use them so do 300 other people so i am a third of a percent of the audience and I'm sure there are things that I look for that the other 299 people don't give a rip about, right? Exactly. So you're absolutely right. That that happens. That happens 100%. Yeah, it totally happens. And it's not a bad thing. Well, I mean, it is. I wish I didn't have to build features that nobody's going to use. But it's yeah. a reality. Like, well, it comes from I mean, the, the single it's, pane it's, it's of glass. A that's, that's a pendulum swing. It's a sales tactic because as, as an organization grows and as, as our industry becomes more complex – Size and complexity demand specialization. So then you get people going deeper in smaller areas and mm-hmm. creating entire solutions for that niche. And so now you have, instead of being a solopreneur or a small business owner, we got eight employees, five developers and a sales guy and a cat and a dog. Uh, now you've got a couple of thousand people. There are a whole bunch of niches, a whole bunch of specialties. And now instead of like running your whole company out of HipChat and GitLab, now you've got 17 vendors with 23 different products you license for a whole array of different stuff and the tool sprawl just maintenance like managing the contracts managing the relationships mm-hmm. managing the deployments and the upgrades and the and and the operational concerns with running a product like that uh, it's like oh i'm so frustrated i just want one thing that does it. and so you may be tempted to give on features that make any given tool best fit for its niche because then it's five in one and I can, you know, and so I think yeah. you're solving for that problem. I've never found those solutions actually valuable long term. There are I, a couple of cases where yeah. I've seen it work, but it's it's not often. I I definitely am a fan of do the the the, the Linux software development school. You do one, you know, a tool, a software app should do one job really really well, and then you just connect those different tools. Now, 
in the extreme, it leads to, and there are practical limits to this because, you know, some IT team has to administer them. You have a billing and, you know, accounting team that has to take care of the the purchasing and the management and then the licenses. And I mean, it, it, it grows exponentially. And so there are real world limits, you know, for any organization given their size and scope. So it's a balancing act, I would say. And you, you want the tool to do the job, and it, but it can't get in the way. It can't, you know, be bad at what it's doing. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the pushback. You reach a point, I mean, let's, you know, at the, at the extreme edge of this, we'll put one of our favorite punching bags out there. The, the extreme edge is Salesforce. You know, Salesforce started as a CRM and then it became, you know, the business process equivalent of a carbon molecule and, you know, tried to turn itself into all the things for a business Everything. anywhere. Everything, to, always, everywhere. Yeah. And it's basically web-based SharePoint and SharePoint's in the same boat as, as and, and it, you, so you get this universally crap experience across the board because it's just bad at everything, but it can do everything and you only have one bill, but it's crap at it, you know? So that's a, you know, that's in the extreme direction. Then the other direction you have, you know, very a multitude of bespoke tools. And so it like all of these kinds of decisions, there is no right answer. It's a balancing act and you've got to recognize the pros and cons. And I think the biggest problem that companies run into when they're dealing with tooling decisions is not recognizing that it's a balancing act. People figure out here's the, they, they land in a certain spot and they go, this is the answer. Right here. This is it. And, well, and that's not true. That and it I heard, might be true in this case, but it might not be. And you know, your answer is based on your past experience, which is fine. You're, the, you know, wisdom is knowledge guided by experience. And so you're leaning on that. That's good. But you've also got to recognize you're on a sliding scale, buddy. Like that is not a yeah. fixed point in time. Well, and I, I, recently, some, I recently heard somewhere, uh, and I might have even mentioned this to you recently, uh, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And I, oh, I, I heart that so much, dude. I love that. I just, I love it to pieces. And then what is, what is any product vendor, right? Whether it's a SaaS or install yourself, like on run it on prem tool, what is, or if whatever it is, what, what are the sales staff, what are the the sales representative associate, whatever they, what do they call it? Right. It's not a tool. It's not a product. It's not a widget. What is it? It's a solution, solution, right? So when I hear that now, I'm thinking, oh, you have the best trade-off, right? And it's it's not a bad way to go that's into those discussions, right? And it's I don't really think that's that's not where that phrase was intended. That's not like the target that was, but it still works. Oh, it totally it, works. It really does still work. Yeah, and it's always a trade-off. It's, it's always, always trade-off. a trade-off. And and this, you know, we're 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 talking again. We've we because. Because technology and business are joined at the hip, no matter what the engineers would like to think. Uh, you know, yes, we're, we're we can tie this back in for for anyone who is hardcore software development. Well, how the heck does any of this apply to me? Well, you're making the exact same trade offs in the app that you're building there, pal. You know, you are making you know a, an assessment of who your user is and what they want and don't want, and you are calibrating on a given average user. And it's going to be good enough for some people and not good enough for others. And it's going to be too much for others. And, you know, so they're, they're, the, the Goldilocks, you know, Goldilocks is what you're shooting for. Goldilocks doesn't exist, though. You know, so you're going to have people who yeah. even take a pro- any given product on a spectrum and it's going to be good enough for some and not good enough for others. And this is where feature creep comes from. Because yeah. feature creep comes from the people for, for whom it's not enough. Usually, hey, this is great, but what if it could also blah, 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 blah. That's where all the feet, that's, that's where you start to get the bloat to try and appease more people. And as you appease more people, you slowly become, well, you slowly become Salesforce. That's exactly, pretty much what it is. So I have a, I actually, I just had an epiphany. Holy crap. So uh, I have, I have this theory with, um, uh, you know Pandora, the music service Pandora. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They it, it was born out of something called the Music Genome Project, and the idea mm-hmm. was you listen to songs, you thumbs up and thumbs down things as you like them or don't like them. It gets better. It learns the kinds of 
stuff that you like to listen to. And so it gives you more stuff of what you like and less of what you don't. And you learn and experience new music that you haven't heard before. It's a great idea. And generally, Pandora is a pretty good project. Except that you don't. (laughs) However, however, I did a little experiment a couple of years ago with Pandora because uh, I was noticing that my my channels, even if I started with different themes and different source material, they all sort of ended up in the same place. Mm-hmm. And so I tried a series of experiments where I started with a bunch of different random kinds of music. And I just thumbsed up everything as it came through. Mm-hmm. Give me a song. Yep, this works. Yep, that one too. Yep, that one thumbs too. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Every time did it still did it still shunt you into that same type of every music? Every time I did that, I eventually ended up listening to Enya. Every I, oh my gosh, every I was single actually time. going. To, I was actually going to joke about the everything going to Enya. So so I had That's so, actually what so happened. I oh have my talked gosh. about this at work before, and my and of course my my co-workers just heard Enya, and it just became Frank loves Enya. Uh, instead, oh, right, they, right. they missed the punchline completely. So this is, you know, Frank's greater theory of Pandora, you know, enough, enough thumbs up, enough likes of any given, you will eventually wind up up at Enya. Right, exactly. (laughs) So, so, so I'm going to, I'm now going to expand that, you know, to, to Frank's greater theory of software development, any project given enough feature creep eventually becomes Salesforce. Or email. That was the, other, the old, the old, <laughs> the old trope that like any yeah. any sufficiently advanced system will eventually duplicate email. Will eventually duplicate email. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So it, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. So I mean, yeah. we all make these pros and cons. So even in the situation where you're doing one job really, really well, I mean, you, you're still dialing in. You're still doing a Goldilocks on on that. Well, the problem is it's it's a soft cost that doesn't get recognized, right? You you add features to bring in more customers. You want to you want to grow your addressable market and then bring in more customers because that's how the business grows. And so you mm-hmm. add features that not mm-hmm. everybody cares about. But look, I'm trying to capture a certain audience. I'm trying to compete in a certain area, and so I'm going to add a feature relevant to that that makes us relevant, and then I'm going to capture that audience, right? This is the problem is that's just it's sustainable and it can be sustainable for a long time. Eventually you hit a tipping point. Right. Eventually you hit a tipping point where you can not control the complexity and continue to serve your original target primary user base, the one that validated your business, the one that launched you to success, the one that has powered your other endeavors and 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 funded your expansions into other markets. Eventually that comp Oh, we lost you. I lost you. Check your check your audio. Yeah, I don't hear you. That's and he's back. All right, we had some kind of that was that was some kind of internet connectivity issue. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. Let me let me check my stuff back here. Now I'm not downloading anything. You're good. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Don't weird Sorry, everybody. Mind. Let's uh, let's oh. try that again. So anyway, you were saying uh, you can't manage the complexity with all right. of that, and eventually you wind up adding a degree of complexity that starts to get in the way of your base, your initial target audience, the initial people that that validated your idea, that helped you grow the business, that funded you going out and branching off and capturing these other markets. Eventually, that complexity reaches a tipping point and uh, you start to lose. Then the next upstart comes along and replaces you. And I got to be honest, I've been an iOS user for, I don't know, since 2009 maybe. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of iterations, like Apple is fanatic about their design and experience. It's starting to get to that point. Like they're starting to trip over yeah. the complexity uh, in, in meaningful ways, like very simple things you want to do. No longer that simple. And that was always their hallmark. Right. Exactly. It, it, you then it becomes a, you have a new question in front of you at that point. Is the direction that you're heading now? this additional complexity and more specifically the change in audience, the change in interest of what they're doing. Is that net positive? Is that where we want to go? If yes, keep doing what you're doing. But if you find yourself actually floating adrift without a real sense of direction and purpose, I would argue you have gone too far afield and you need to start pruning this stuff back. And uh, 
just because I like to be a little fair and balanced with my, you know, when we, we beat up our fictitious straw men here, Salesforce a couple of years ago actually undertook a giant pruning effort to, mm-hmm. to rip out a whole bunch of excess, what they yeah, deemed was excess. We might've talked about that. We talked about it a little ago. bit. So, I mean, they saw, they had enough self-realization to say, we're, we're kind of out here. We need to sort of bring this back home. And they began to rip things out and, and boil it down mm-hmm. a little bit, which is good. I mean, good for them. That's that's exactly yeah. what you want to happen. You know, address the market, address the market needs. If you're not addressing the market needs, then you're kind of like, you know, yeah. out, out in the out in the sticks and developing in that kind of environment just stinks because you've now, got so many things and they're competing for your time and attention. And then they start com- then they start fighting internally in the app for yeah. You know, how they operate. Well, I want the table to look like this. Well, my piece over here needs the table to look like this. And they're both dealing with the same piece of information. Yeah. It just gets, it gets really gnarly. Yeah. Really. really and it gets gnarly. this, it gets this, it gets to a, a good segue. Like, like how did, as a, as a, as a technology team, how do you manage that when you've got these competing demands and it, it becomes a tough thing. And it's, it's a little bit of a, I, I'm kind of forcing the segue there, but uh, are you okay if we go to if we go to some feedback? Let's go to now. some feedback. Some and I need a need feedback a, sounder. Oh, I we abso- do. We have one. We absolutely do. Don't oh. force one, but we need one. But yeah. we need one. Okay. Um, I don't. I, I can't so force we one right feedback. now. This comes into us. Uh, this comes into us from anonymous, and uh, anonymous has a question for us. Okay. Uh, I'll read, and then and then I'll give you first. I have not read this, here. so okay. so I'm hitting this cold. I'm hitting this cold. I'll, I'll give you. I'll read and I'll give you. I'll give you first. Uh, write a first response here. Okay, cool. What do you recommend? What do you recommend when you are told that you have to release a product that you know is not yet stable or ready for release? Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to hit that for you again. What do you do? What do you recommend when you're told? And this could be you could be a contributor, you could be a manager, whoever it is, right? What do you recommend when you're told you have to release something and you don't know if it's actually or, or you know that it's not stable or ready for release? Okay, so th- so um, there's a lot of unspoken here that we're going to have to fill in for the sake of the discussion here. But I'm assuming that this is going to be something they're being told top down. I don't care what you think. Ship it. Like it's, this it's goes live go. next this goes Monday live or next, next Monday. quarter or next year or whatever the situation Come hell or high yeah. water, this is going out there. Um, right. Well- Oh boy. If, if you're in a position for, uh, one, I mean, try and see if you can't convince them otherwise. Um, in those situations, you, you can't just simply, um, you know, please for, uh, an appeal to expertise. I'm in, sir, I'm in here every day dealing with this. I know, I trust me when I tell you this is not ready. That's not going to work. That never works. You need to present evidence to the to support the fact that, to support your view that the product isn't if, ready. And by the way, and if you if you lose, if you're told if you're told to go go to prod with it anyway, and then by some miracle, by some constellation of team effort and everything, you manage to muddle through somehow. Now, now what's your word worth? Now now you look bad. Exactly. Yeah. So what you want to do is instead of saying it's not ready, don't even say the conclusion. You can say. Okay, these are the th- if you want to go live with it on X date, that's fine. Here are the things you need to be aware of. That's what you say. Here are the things you need to be aware of. And you approach it, everything should sort of tumble from there. So yeah. the outstanding bugs that you have recognized, the crashes that are happening, the uh, snowflake edge case, you know, where it you know deletes the hard drive. You, 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 you itemize all of that stuff out there. And you let them draw their own conclusion. The reason you do this is twofold. One, you're presenting the person who is obviously the decision maker with the information to make a decision. So let them make the decision. You are the conduit for the information at this point. And now, now, if they proceed with it, it's not on your head, or at least not solely on your head. Because you have presented this information, they have decided to move ahead anyway, and you being the smart, studious professional that you are, made damn sure to get all of this in writing. So after you sent, after you discussed all of these bugs and glitches and warnings and things like that, you followed it up with an, with an email that said, per our conversation, here are the things you should be aware of 
prior to release and you include links to all the tickets pertaining to these things. So now that person is on record as having received that information from you. You're, you're free and clear at that point, because if crap hits the fan, you just point at that email and your butt. Yeah. Is it's hard though. Yeah. I, I like that approach. I think you may have, you may have skipped an intermediate step there, but I liked the overall approach. What did I skip? And I think, and I think there's a, there's a downside that by the way is not avoidable. Um, so, so I think what you stepped, okay, uh, don't and say no. And I want to no. hear about don't your unavoidable downside too. I want to hear the skip yeah, step yeah. and the unavoidable downside. So, so, so you started with, don't just say no, don't say it's a bad idea. We can't do it. Right. And there's mm-hmm. failure modes there. And then list out all the things. There's a, there's an intermediate step where you lay out in very explicit words that you have this class of business problem associated with going live. And then you proceed to enumerate within those categories. So the categories I always kind of think of are uh, cost, risk, and revenue. Mm. So I say, look, you want to put this thing out in the world, and let's say it's a system that's designed to facilitate revenue generation for the company. It's not ready to do that. You say, look, uh, if we put this out there, there's a risk to revenue generation for these five reasons there's a risk on cost because these six things are not working the way they should and that's going to equate to this many dollars and outside of those two we have risk items whether that's stability whether that's security with you know tie things back to revenue risk and cost that's how because if in your scenario frank where you're kind of we're kind of engineering a, uh, an overlay situation onto this question to make some assumptions for talking points. Mm-hmm. You're taking the approach that this is top-down edict. You will go live on whatever the date is. Um, that's that's that sounds to me like an executive decision. So you need to be speaking their language: cost, risk, and and, and revenue. Um, so I think that's that that might be the thing. And then and then it's it's exactly what you described, Frank. Like it's the list of things, but maybe kind of organized, or each one is tagged. Like, here's an issue, and it is related to cost, risk, or revenue. You know, in each or and you know those categories, they may not be the appropriate, the perfect three. Maybe one of them is more explicitly information security. Maybe one of them is more explicitly user experience. Whatever the, you know, but but you need to speak in terms that 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 executive is going to be comfortable dealing and can and can recognize how it impacts the business. Yeah, executive or otherwise, you got to speak their language. You, you got to speak yeah, their language. Yeah. And and you sitting mm-hmm. there waxing about the technical details, no nobody cares. Nobody we and I know we've I've said this before. Nobody cares about your technical problems. What they care yeah. about is the ripple effect, the follow-on. What does that technical problem lead to? Talk yeah. about what it leads to. Nobody cares that there's this bug in this thing because we used a hash instead of a dictionary. You're not going to drop them. You're not going to drop them 27 Jira ticket IDs and get anywhere with this argument. No, they're going to say, gonna great, 27. How many can you fix per day? You have 12 days. There you go. That's, all, That's that, exactly that, like what it, you're It's gonna, open and shut. You you're know gonna, what I mean? You're, gonna totally, you're actually going to hose yourself if you do that. Yeah. Oh, only 27 tickets. Well, you got a team of five, split them up and get it done, man. You got six weeks, get moving. And then you're like, and then you just keel over and die, you know, from yeah, the aneurysm. Yeah. But, but keel over and die, that's that's the ultimate, to me, that's the ultimate failure mode you're looking at here. Uh, because it sounds like, and I'm, you know, you got to make a lot of assumptions to make this leap. So I'm just kind of, for the sake of conversation, we're, we're having fun yeah, with Yeah, well, one. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, um, yeah, this is hypothetical in a, in a certain sense. So, so it's not clear, it's not clear under what circumstances the decision is coming to release, even though it's not ready, right? I mean, it's clearly a top down, somebody is saying we got to ship it. It's either there's, there's, there's business pressure. And again, that could be revenue or cost or a bunch of different things, but somebody at the top is saying you've got to do it. Like they're being told by somebody above them that it's got to get done. Or it can be some intermediaries hide on the line if it doesn't get done. Right. And there could be politics. There's all kinds of regardless, things. regardless, if the if if this conversation goes, uh, hey, Anon, we really we really need to get this out on, you know, one one, let's say. This really has to go live on one one. How do we make that happen? And opens up a conversation where you can say, I really don't think that's realistic. Here are the risks. Here are the costs here. You know what I mean? Um, then you're probably 
working for somebody who's not a complete D-bag. If, <laughs> if the edict comes down with or without your prior alerting them to the infeasibility, no, get it done. Uh, guess what's going to happen? You're, you're going to do exactly what Frank described. You're going to enumerate all the reasons it can't happen. You're going to do what I described and classify them in broad categories, business terms that they're going to understand. And then you're going to attempt to wash your hands of it and distance yourself because mm. this thing is not going to go well and you don't want it around your neck. Now, I hate, I say that and I absolutely, I can't overemphasize enough how much I absolutely hate that being the advice because on my teams, in my experience, for me personally and the folks that I work with and, and are, and you know, in whose orbit I am, the company, we're a team. And it doesn't matter if you work for me or I work for you or we work together for somebody else or we're in completely different departments. Like our goal is to delight the customers. Our goal is to serve the market. And we are all aligned on that goal and we win or we lose together. That's the attitude that I'm comfortable with. That's how I operate. I hate this like in-group, out-group, you know, oh, I'm going to say something, you know, we're going to agree to things. But then when I talk to my people, I'm going to say, well, this is how it is. But then like out of the side of my mouth, but, but this is how I feel about it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I strive to be one integral person in the organization and we're all in the same boat. We're all rowing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so it, it, it really kills me to give advice that is essentially try to separate yourself from somebody else. But if it's really going to go that badly and you know it and you're being forced to do it uh, against your better judgment, like the sad and a lot of people work in places like that. I, I don't like any advice that perpetuates like politicking and that kind of bad uh, culture, but it sounds like it's not a good culture and you need to distance yourself from it. Step one is, yeah, send that CYA email, make it their problem. Step two is get your resume out. Okay. So I, I think there's a, you, I don't you know went, if maybe I took it a little too far you for went, your, you went your pretty comfort extreme. there. I, I think you went pretty extreme. I think, yeah, because let's say that this person is responsible for the thing and, you know, walking, simply walking away from it or distancing in any real way is not possible. Um, you've documented your concerns. You've pushed them up to the appropriate people. It's on them to move or not. Once they've done that, you just do your level best to, to work with what you've got. If, if you don't have the luxury of distance, you just do your level best. And then if crap hits the fan, you can point to your, yeah. to your warnings. And then you can, and then on top of that, you can point to the fact that I have still, despite my warnings, I have acted in good faith on behalf of this company, following what I was told to do right. what I, everything I could possibly do. Now you need to be careful. This is where a lot of people I think suffer from work abuse. It's, it's a little self-inflicted. This does not necessarily mean that you instantly start working 60 hour weeks. Okay. That's, that's not what no. happens here. You know, well, well, okay. It didn't work. But, and you warned us about that. Well, that's fine. But I mean, like you, why didn't you put in more, more time? Well, you've got me for 40 and I, and I, I did everything I could. And I warned you in advance about this. Like I'm, I am doing what's, what's right for the company. And I'm keeping, yeah, I'm keeping myself in balance in the process. And that's fine. No one should yeah. ever, should ever fault you for that. And if they do, then you do the resume thing and you get the heck out of there. Anyone yeah. who berates you for anyone who gets berated for doing, for not doing, uh, well, my point is like, OT I can't, is, I, I can't mean, imagine a circumstance where I'm on the other end of that. Like I cannot imagine. Well, no, it's cause you're a having good a manager with a product. Manager. Right. And that's, that's kind of my point. Like to me, oh, this is, this oh, is an I see. indicator. So you, right. I see. So that, the, and if that is so, if you are in fact getting that, if that is the case for you, then you're dealing with with a bad place. So getting out is actually right. the right. That's, that's a good point. That's a that's a fair counterpoint. That's a fair counterpoint. Now um, it's tough though. It's tough in any event though, because because guess what? As a developer, I can tell you, I've been in situation not not this situation, but I've been uh, I've been around things like this before, where something's tight or something's not working, or and yeah, you could politically distance yourself. You can do all that kind of stuff. That's great. It's hard though when you just poured your heart and soul into a product because we, by the way, like we're not, uh, we're not. Uh, I was just, I, I don't want to mention a specific profession be for fear that it will seem denigrating. But if you are working in a job where you come in and there's new work and you finish it and go home and the next day is a different set of problems, it's one kind of taxing on you and on your mind and your soul. 
if you work at a job where you have a like the shortest project you work on is six months long, you know, you have these years long initiatives, that's a different kind of taxing on you as a person to have this project. You just can't, it's just constant, it ingrains itself yeah. into your being. Um, it's hard not to have a sense of, of ownership and a sense of connectedness to something like that and to see it go live and then fail. That's tough to like, like just acknowledging the human emotion in it. That's Mm -hmm. tough. And I would I would have a problem. A, like, I don't like the relationship with this person that's telling me it has to go either way. Um, But B, I don't I don't like knowingly putting something out into the world that's not up to standard. That's like I'm setting up to fail. And then even if I'm and and it is true, you're completely. uh, uh, Warranted, you're you're completely okay. You look, I worked my week. I gave you the warnings. We needed more time. We didn't have it. I'm not going to work 90 hour weeks for the next six months just to make this deadline that is not reasonable. That's absolutely true. And at the same time, like feeling some kind of way about just letting it fail. Mm-hmm. Didn't do much. Like that's a, that's yeah. a thing I, th- at least as a developer, I, I felt, and I, I still feel, um, even though I'm not fingers on keys anymore. Like, I don't know. Does that make sense at all? That I makes like total I sense. No, 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 I, no, I, I, I get it. And, and we all suffer from that. We have all had products that have had, um, pieces of it or whole products themselves just end up on the cutting room floor. Like they never saw the light of day. Um, it sucks. Oh, it's, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst, especially when there's pieces of it that you, you know, you came up with some really cool technique for, uh, yeah. you, know, you did some new you never thing get to see and, it fly. And, and you never get to see it fly. You know, it's like build yeah, exactly. It's like building an airplane and never actually seeing it take off. It's, it's, it's like that. And, and that, that stings. That's, that's the hardest part about our job. Cause so much of what we, build is viewed in in some respects as dis- utterly disposable and yeah. um doesn't really appreciate the um the craftsmanship that goes into it um mm-hmm. which is ugh, i don't know how you solve that but um yeah uh there's yeah and i i don't know and there's just there's a there's a sense of responsibility i guess is what i'm getting to mm-hmm. okay so so now it's out there and it sucks. And maybe I maybe I had to distance myself from the decision, but I'm just gonna feel lousy about it either way. You know, that's right. I don't know. It's a tough. I I'm empathetic with the non. Yeah. On this one, that's that's rough. But hey, thanks for reaching out. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And um, let's let's hope that that's a that's a trend and that it continues. And we'll. Uh, yeah. we'll- We'll keep throwing some some feedback out there for for uh, we'll, we'll keep responding to the feedback and uh, we would love to hear more of it from you. So continue to send your notes to us, uh, anonymous or otherwise. Feedback at refactor.work. We would love to hear from you and play it out on the show. Uh, you can get show notes and uh, you can play past episodes, all that stuff at our website. Refactored.work is the place to go for that. If you want to read more from Chris, you can check him out at Tonkinson.com. It's spelled like it sounds. And for me, you can check my stuff out at HotColes, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. This has been episode 65 of the Refactored Podcast on April 8th, 2022. Thanks a lot, Chris. Have a good one. Thanks, Frank.